Grace, mercy, and peace are yours in abundance through the knowledge of God our Father and the Father's Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Dear family in Christ at Ascension, I have a bit of a confession to make to you this morning. I have a little bit of hate in my heart. It's not for any of you. It's not for any person, I would say. It's for that voice on Google Maps, the one that comes on and says, rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. And then probably about as I'm clipping along at 55 miles an hour, comes on and says, in 250 feet, turn left, turn left. I want to pull my hair out. I don't know who writes the software for these programs, but in my mind, I think there needs to be a little bit of an advance notice. And no, I do not want to save three cents on gas on a new route when I have to spend $5 on brake pads to stop and make the turn. Now that I've gotten that off my chest, I can talk to you a little bit about Paul's second missionary journey this morning. A journey itself that was surrounded by rerouting. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of context here from our lesson this morning. Uh, you probably caught on as we read it, like I said to the kids, there's a lot of place names here that we're not familiar with. But as they travel, or before they traveled, Paul went on that first missionary journey and he visited these towns. And then after the, or as he went on the journey, there were some questions asked. They had all of these Gentile people who became Christian and were coming into the church. And then they were entering a church that was filled with a lot of Jews. Jews that had honored and observed the Old Testament commands, their way of life, their dietary restrictions, their clothing, their circumcision. And the question was, well, do these people have to do these things to be Christian? Don't the Gentiles have to do what the Jews have been doing for millennia? Don't they have to follow the law? Reroute number one. At the end of Paul's first missionary journey, he heads down to Jerusalem, has a council with the apostles, and they begin to discuss these things. I'm happy to tell you that Acts chapter 15 reports to us that the free, unconditional gospel of Jesus Christ won the day. And there would be no regulations put on the Gentiles to do things that were now adiaphor or free. Whether the Jews wanted to do them or not, they could, but they were not going to be put upon the Gentiles. So after that wraps up, Paul wants to go back and tell the good news to these Gentile congregations. So a second trip begins to be planned. Reroute number two. His first ministry uh, trip partner, Barnabas, well, they had a little bit of a disagreement. A disagreement over a man named John Mark. John Mark had been with them on the first trip, but abandoned the group early on in the trip to head back home because he got a little bit of homesickness in him. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark again with them, and Paul absolutely refused. And the Bible tells us the disagreement was so sharp that they split up. 
Paul going back to visit the congregations that have been visited on the first trip, and Barnabas and John Mark going to the island of Cyprus to visit the congregations there. So Paul sets out with Silas on this second missionary trip, and his stated purpose was this, I want to visit the believers in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. And as they went, they were rerouted by the Holy Spirit. Now, if you can see there, the province of Asia to the north and the province or the uh, uh, Bithynia, excuse me, is to the north and Asia is to the south. Paul comes up through Antioch. He visits those first few congregations that he had visited on his first journey and he wants to head down. Perhaps you see Ephesus on the map there. Perhaps uh, Myra and Patara, uh, all of these congregations that Paul says, boy, there's a, there's a ripe mission field there, Lord. Don't you want us to know, uh, visit these people? And each time, whether north or south of that line, that initial line coming out of Antioch and Iconium and Lystra there, Jesus stops them from going north and south and pushes them towards the shore at Troas. One note, in the book of Revelation, John there are seven congregations that are addressed with a letter from Jesus. They're all in that small area. So the mission field was indeed ripe. Do you think that the Apostle Paul was a bit frustrated by all of this rerouting? No, not there, Paul. No, not there. Not just by the Holy Spirit, but by the circumstances that surrounded his second missionary journey. I mean, First of all, I have to head down to Jerusalem to clear up all of these questions when I know that the gospel is free, that there's no conditions placed on it. Then as I get ready, I have to have this disagreement with a trusted partner about who we're going to bring on the trip. I'm guessing that he was a little bit frustrated. So let me ask you this morning, my friends at Ascension, are you a bit frustrated with rerouting that the Holy Spirit has had you on? Are you wondering exactly what his plan is as you call for a pastor and you await each man's answer, wondering? Do you watch new guests come into worship and you think, oh, if only we had a pastor that could follow up on these guests, welcome them, lead them through Bible study? Do you wonder how much ministry passes you by on each side like the Apostle Paul did as he was pushed towards the shore and Troas. How about your frustration in your personal ministries? It's not just a corporate ministry that you carry out here, but as evangelists, you share the gospel with your friends and your neighbors. How about that neighbor that every time you share the gospel with them, they treat, like, treat, treat it like you've handed them a moldy combat boot that's filled with foot fungus? And you think, oh, come on. Don't you know how good this is? Don't you know the freedom that's there? Or how about that opportunity that you pray for, that you hope for, that you long for, to speak to that family member who your heart just breaks for every time you think of them. You pray for them often. And it just never seems to come. Rerouting. Rerouting, rerouting, 
Turn left in 250 feet. And our head seems like it bounces back and forth. I want you to remember that it wasn't just the rerouting on this second missionary journey that the Apostle Paul had to deal with. You remember, he's the guy with the thorn in the flesh, the one that was given to him because of the exceedingly great revelations he had. You think about Paul, he's ready to go. He's getting ready on his missionary journey. He's got his boxes of Bibles. I know they didn't have boxes of Bibles, but think with me for a moment here. He had boxes of Bible. He's got his pamphlets for his church because the churches didn't have apps back then or the internet. He's got his message all wrote up. And in comes this thorn in the flesh. Whatever it was, this debilitating, whether it was physical illness or mental. And he thinks, again, Lord, why do you keep telling me to reroute? Right here this morning, in this section that seems to be more filled with geography than theology, God gives us the answer, not just to Paul, but to us too. And the answer is that the Lord puts us where he needs us. On the map, you'll see a province marked Macedonia all the way in the upper left-hand corner. But perhaps what is lost on our modern eyes is the reality of the division that is on most maps today. Paul is crossing over from Asia to Europe. He's going to a whole new continent. And you and I may think right now, well, why? What's the big deal about that? There's an artificial boundary there where God sends Paul to share the gospel. There's cities all along the coastline. That's not a surprise. But it is a blessing for you and I. Most of us here this morning are of European descent. Our church body comes from European roots. That seed planting that the Apostle Paul did, that was for you and I. That was God's direction and rerouting. Long before we were ever thought of in a human sense, God was thinking of us in a heavenly sense. Perhaps the Lord's trying to reroute you this morning. Not away from sharing the gospel, but with other opportunities to share it. Those opportunities may be totally different than the ones that you have your eyes on, put your hopes in, or plan for. But they have the blessings of being under the same one who directed Paul's footsteps to the continent of Europe. I want you to think about this congregation right now. As we sit here today, think about it 40 years from now or 100 years from now. You and I may not be sitting here at that time. We may be standing with the saints and angels singing our Savior's praises in heaven. But is there a family? Are there grandchildren, great-grandchildren who will be sitting here because the Lord rerouted our attention, our efforts to share the gospel with them in our community or because He brought them to us through service in the military? Could it be that the pastor that you dream about and that you hope for and that you're planning for comes with a little bit different skill set than what you had intended? And that skill set provides blessings 40, 100 years down the road where families that we may not have thought of or planned for or prepared for, by God's grace, are sitting here confident in their salvation, full and free in Jesus Christ. You and I can find the truth 
The truth is, is that all rerouting is not bad because it's done by the Holy Spirit. You know, we don't have to go very far to see that truth in our own life, or excuse me, in the life of Paul as he was rerouted to the continent of Europe. You know that the first town that he really did a lot of mission work in was the town of Philippi. You and I know a little bit more about the Philippians than we do other congregations or other places because Paul wrote an inspired letter to them. It's the book of the Bible called Philippians. That letter is sometimes called the letter of joy. Paul is in prison in Rome. How he can be joyful, I have no idea until I hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul's joy wasn't just in the gospel. It was in the ones he had shared it with. In that letter, Paul wrote, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. I think as Paul wrote that letter, he couldn't help but think about the faces in the congregation that were hearing it read. You know those faces. One was named Lydia. She was a dealer of purple cloth, whom Paul had met down at the river because there was not even 10 Jewish believing men to start a synagogue in the town. She welcomed them into, their ho into her home and allowed them to use it almost as a place of worship and a base of operations. Another one was a woman who, when Paul met her at the time, was a girl. A girl who was possessed by a demon and was enslaved by her owners. It was those owners that used her to make money telling people's fortunes and futures. Paul cast that demon out of her. Another face in the crowd that heard that letter to the Philippians was a jailer. A jailer who himself had put the iron chains on Paul and kept him in captivity. A jailer whose life was spared because when the earthquake struck, the chains broke free and the doors went open. Paul and Silas didn't run. They stayed. They stayed to answer the question that the jailer had, what must I do to be saved? It's with that joy that Paul writes that letter to the Philippians, thinking back about the rerouting that the Holy Spirit had done for him on that second missionary journey. And my friends, as you sit here this morning, my encouragement is simple. Learn to love being rerouted, especially by the Holy Spirit. Take every turn of events, every change in plans, every course correction for what it is. The Lord placing you where He needs you. Those kind of corrections may make the makeup of your congregation look a lot different in the future. Those kinds of corrections are just how God has planned it. It may put you in the middle of a gospel-sharing opportunity that you weren't even prepared for or planned for, but take heart and rejoice because the One who led you there will give you the words to speak there as well. You know, there's a, a story about Winston Churchill as Adolf Hitler was mercilessly bombing uh, England at the time. He was invited to speak to a group of school children to give them some encouragement. And his address was rather brief, but there are eight words that stick out from that address that have been remembered. He looked at those children and he said, Never give up. Never give up ever, never give up. 
There will be times when you feel discouraged by the course corrections, the reroutings in your Christian witness, both corporate and personal and individual. But never, never, never give up. It's in that trying, knowing that God is working through you and leading you and directing you, that you can find joy and confidence in the truth that you and I and a world of believers have been called to share with those who are living in darkness. It's in sharing that, that you can find peace, knowing that the Lord has led you at that time and at that moment right to where He needs you. Amen.